Welcome to the OC Endurance Podcast. My name is Chris, along with my co-hosts, Austin and Tony. And we are on episode number 26, and it's uh, Halloween. Happy Halloween, guys. I want you dressed up. Uh, I am. (laughs) (laughs) He's a YouTuber. (laughs) Yes, I'm dressed as a YouTuber. (laughs) Uh, How are you guys doing? Going trick-or-treating? I might hand out candy if we ever get any any trick or treaters. We never get any in our neighborhood. Yeah, we get absolutely none because it's hilly and uh, it's all elderly people here. We're getting uh, some turnover. There are some more kids uh, moving in because it's an old neighborhood. But kids are not committed to walking up the hills in this neighborhood. They rather go to the new places down below where they're all stacked on top of each other. Uh, your yeah, neighborhood kind of seems like the neighborhoods that give it like the full size candy bars. You know, <laughs> yeah, but it's just not worth. <laughs> Walking because the properties are big, right? It's it's and it's hilly. So if you go down below us in that new development, there's a house every 17 feet practically, right? I mean, there's no room between them, and it, that's where all the kids live. So yeah, I was just that's like, what mom, I do. Mom, mom driving to the top. I'm gonna I'm gonna walk down, right? Like so yeah. you can, you just, <laughs> it'll it's like, it's like rebels. It's like rebel, yes, right? Just driving rebel. to the top. And I'll make, yeah, yeah. My kids are always so excited. Let's let's set out candy, and then uh, we put it out and come home. And I always hope some little punk will just empty the whole bowl, and then we'll come home and it'll be empty. But there's never any candy gone. No one's willing to walk down here. <laughs> <laughs> That's great though. Like not having trick or treaters because I do get the full size candy bars. And then you're like the coolest house for the three that come through. You know what uh, I mean? Yeah. And I'm, I'm like, double up, guys. Screw it. You know? Yeah. Well, yeah. So, so what, I, what I do is actually, um, well, I don't know if I'll be home tonight, but um, what I usually do is I, I do like two buckets. So I have like the regular like bagged candy and then I have like the full size candy bar type like good selection. And it just depends on their costume. So like first year, like kids that, you know, they, they have just had that like, basic you know costume like they, they didn't really try hard or like the old kids just put put like a jason mask on or something I'm like all right here you guys get to pick from here and then like the kids that really try are really dressed up then i give them the full size and uh, the first year i did this um you know groups of kids come together typically and so some would only get to pick out of one and some get to pick out of the other right it's like how, how <laughs> hard did you try kids. <laughs> yeah. it's so brutal so then but then the next year <laughs> The next year, one of the kids remembered and the mom was, the mom came and she was like, you know what? He, he said he wanted to dress up and, and do a really good costume this year. Cause he wanted to pick out of the full size candy bar bowl. And I was like, <laughs> no, nice. that's cool. Look right. You like, inspired him. <laughs> <laughs> Take Halloween seriously. Damn it. Yeah. yeah. We've got a couple crazy neighborhoods around here where they have lines that are 30, 40 people deep and they've got all these different candies to slay. You can pick one and they've, you know, they go to like a candy distributor. It, it's insane. So I will be doing that tonight, walking around the neighborhoods, get my, get my steps in. That, I mean, Tony, I'm surprised by that answer. I thought you were going to say I shut off the lights and black out the windows. And No, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> it's like kids, it's 830. It's time to get home, turn all the lights out, get on the floor. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. I, I love seeing the costumes and then, uh, you know, when they're, when they actually try, when there's more than just like a mask on, I'm in a hoodie and a mask, like, no, okay. You know, whatever. Does Nadia dress up the dogs every year? Yeah. And they usually have like multiple costumes too. Oh my God. Costume change. Oh yeah. My, my kids have been dressing up maple all week and she just sits there for photos. It's the craziest thing. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> 
She's very obedient. Had she you, puts up with them. Did you see that this, I think she put up a story yesterday. She had like sweaters on them already. And I was like, oh my gosh, babe, like they're one, they're labs Two Buster's like was it their birthday pounds. He's, he was four. Yeah, he just turned he four. He was four. Yeah, yeah. Look at that. He's a big boy. <laughs> um, yeah. Huh, what have you guys been up to? Training going well? Any racing? I've mm. got what? Well, we've, I've got Malibu half coming up this, this weekend. Um, so we'll go, go and run that. But really the, the focus is still CIM. Um, did put in some good, good work last weekend. Had a, had a good, good tough bike on, uh, on Saturday. Saw Austin briefly. <laughs> I did Such too. I think I saw all of you guys briefly. <laughs> yeah. Tony comes, comes flying. He, they went the opposite direction of me when I first saw them. I was like, oh, well, I'm like, you know, in this interval, like 45 minute intervals and I get across the first bridge and then I hear my name. So I like sit up and I look back and he goes, don't let up, don't let up 12 minute intervals. And they're doing like threshold efforts. So I'm like, okay. <laughs> oh, so like, that was you. All right. When you told that story on discord, I, I thought it was just some jerk. I didn't realize it was DJ. No, it was yeah, no, yeah. it's Tony. <laughs> He's with uh, with Tim and Ed, and I was like, I think I had a, a a gel pouch like in my mouth at that time, and I thought they were maybe in a rest interval, and I was going to just like say hey to him real quick and carry on, and then they kept going in their interval, and I was like, well, I'm not going to ruin my workout. I was very tempted to, but I was <laughs> like, I'm not going to ruin my entire workout just to do a couple hard intervals with a with these guys. <laughs> That's funny. I didn't even see, I mean, I saw both of you, but it was, uh, it was quick. Yeah. We so. say like right at the start, you were with Sujin going opposite direction. Yeah. It was a, just an easy two hour pedal, nice and low Watts uh, recovery well, ride. My that'll, last. Be, that'll be me this Saturday. It's going to, I think it, it's just like a easy fat max, whatever, right before. Cause again, if, if I have holiday, I'm well, not holiday Malibu half the next day, that's a hillier one. I want to do okay. I want to see what I can push, but then also I need to run additional miles after that because I'm still building for, for CIM. Um, so yeah, so Sunday, then I went and trail ran uh, Chino Hills with, with Michael and we ran 18, got a nice little sweet conversational paced run in. I think he wanted to push a little harder than we were going, but I was like, this, this is right where I'm, this is right where I'm happy. This is comfortable. I even hit the trails on Sunday with uh, Steven. We went over to Powder Canyon. Oh, nice. Because he, he's training for Catalina. So I took him over there and introduced him to uh, the climbs over there. I feel like I can get more elevation in that little canyon in 12 miles than I can over in like Chino Hills in 12 miles. Mm. So. I guess it depends the route you take. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. sure you can throw some stuff in there, but I feel like uh, I get some decent, some decent climbs over there. And it's different. Yeah. I think it's prettier than Chino Hills. You know, there's more coverage, more like trees that go over the, over the trail, things like that. But yeah. Just to mix it up. Yeah, and sure. it's easy to get over there. I feel like in the mornings, it's not quite like Chino State Park. If I want to start at 5 a.m., right? They really don't want you over there in Chino that early. Um, but I do a lot of headlamp training in Powder Canyon. Uh, yeah. I think we typically start at like Rimcrest is where we would typically start. Mm -hmm. Um but yeah, you can get some climbing if you're over there on the Yorba Linda side. Yeah. Uh, but he wanted to uh, get some extra miles in, like we want to go longer and then not get so much elevation. And, and so we ended up starting at the carbon on the carbon, carbon Canyon side. There's a park over there where you can, you can start and then like get a good, like three, four miles before you actually enter into Chino Hills. 
So nice. Well, cool. Well, I, uh, what is today? Say Wednesday? No, Tuesday. No, it's Tuesday. Shit. Yeah. I kicked off, kicked off my training, my coaching. So we'll see how long it takes till I crash and burn. (laughs) (laughs) Did anyone go to Bayshore on Sunday? Did you guys go swim or anything? No, no, we, we put it out there, but no one was going and I didn't really feel like swimming. I was, I was kind of wanting to get on the trails. So the winds were pretty brutal early too. I mean, I was up at, I think five, um, I w- I had to go out to angel stadium for something and I was, uh, it was already windy, like surprisingly windy and I didn't know Santa Ana's were coming. So swimming in that would have been probably not super enjoyable, but yeah. Sweet. Well, if it wasn't for this podcast, you guys would be watching the sneak preview of uh, the first episode of Daily Cadence right now. So you have to wait until it's over. It is uploaded and, and waiting. So I put it out there that anyone who subscribed to the Daily Cadence channel gets to, uh, Instagram channel can get it early. Free plug right there. I worked all night on it. Well, what you need to do though is make sure you get this podcast uploaded. Otherwise, we're going right to get now. yelled at. I know. Well, they'll get it tomorrow and then they'll realize uh, when it comes out tomorrow. But then then next week, if they want it early, they need to be on Data Cadence. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So it's a long one. 20, what'd I say? 28, 29 minutes, something. Yeah, that's wild. Each week, one minute less. 29 weeks, it'll be one minute long. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's, uh, we got some questions this week, but, uh, w- before we get to those, we'll, we'll get to some news, but if you guys have questions, uh, comments, all of that, make sure you send it to podcast at ocendurance.com and, uh, Austin or, or one of us will get back to you or we'll, we won't get back to you and we'll, you have to listen to the show to get your answer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> just an endless pit, uh, black pit, just send them in and tune in to find out if we answer them. So what's going on in the news? Try world, endurance world. You want to talk about um, city real quick, Tony? Oh yeah, that was something I woke up to this morning. Was I know everybody had talked about the Sydney Marathon potentially becoming the uh, the seventh major uh, for the world uh, Abbott World Majors, and it looks like they're going to start giving a provisional star for the age group world championships. And what uh, Abbott's saying is they need to com- complete two successful candidacy assessments, whatever that means. Um, probably just ensure that they can handle the the, uh, the larger fields um, and run with it, go without a hitch. And then to, to 2024 would be the first year for a, a full star if if everything goes well. So uh, is that a is that November? And explain that what risk? that means to those who may not know what that means. A full star. Oh, well, so there's the six majors where if you run all, all six majors, you get an extra medal and each major is considered a star. Um, in the U S we have, uh, Chicago, New York, and Boston. And then, uh, overseas you've got, uh, Berlin, London, and Tokyo. And now Sydney would be that seventh, that seventh race, that seventh star. So now you'd have to run seven to get that medal. Uh, well, I'm sure they'd have a a new medal, right? And, And because it has all the logos and stuff on it and actually has stars. And, and is that stuff. within a certain time frame or just in your life? Just in your life. Okay. So if you've already got the six medal for the six, then do another one. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious, like if they're still going to give out the six when you give it, when you get six, you know, like, cause 
London and um, um, well, Tokyo is so hard to get. I think so many people are just missing Tokyo. So, I'm, well, they they're not going to do like the uh, Spartan where it's like this metal that has pie pieces or something that makes up the uh, you got to get them all. This is like the Spartan logo. Pokemon, got to catch them all. Yeah. Well, do, you, do you have one of those, Tony? The I do. Spartan, the the, the yeah. old the old trifecta medals where they used yeah. to. They used to split up just with the three. Like if you did like the sprint, super, and beast, that was the, the three. Um, but then they started getting crazy with it. Like you had to do like the the then you had to do the ultra beast, and then like the death race, and then the twenty four hour like hurricane heat, and then I was like, oh, you got to do them all. Now I was like, that's that's a little much. I don't know. So is it on your list in 2024 then, 2025? What, Sydney? Yeah. Um, you know, like at, at some point I'd like to complete the majors, but it's not for me like something I'm going after aggressively, especially since like it's so hard to get into, certain, you know, like Berlin is a lottery, London's a lottery, Tokyo. I mean, you basically you're, you're better off winning the lottery, I think, than actually getting into Tokyo, so... You know, we'll see what happens. I'm not in a hurry. So Berlin and Tokyo, you have to qualify for the men. It's like under 245 and it's a lottery or how does that work? So for London, they only have a lottery for um, for residents. So like in the U.S., we can't even qualify. It doesn't even it's not even an option for us. Tokyo, I think it's only for Japanese residents as well. I, I don't think that the the, uh, the qualifying time or standard is like the good for age time. Um, they don't have one for anyone outside of, of Japan. That's so surprising considering it's called a world major and you can only qualify if you're from a certain region. Yeah, you know you'd think mean? they wouldn't even, that wouldn't be part of it then. Yeah, because I mean, if they did that for Boston, like you can only be an American citizen. I mean, that feels like it takes away from the prestige a little bit, I guess. But hmm. I mean, Sydney sounds really cool though that sounds like a great race to run yeah i think just getting there is going to be <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah other it's side of the world flight. yeah all right anything else going on what's going on in the world of triathlon we've got some races coming up what else? well speaking what of ultra athletes yeah, yeah ultra athletes heather jackson let's give her her, her oh, yeah. kudos here give her some props for uh Havelina. that was impressive that was cool yeah. Well, last year she came in fifth and basically like took it out hot and slowly I think got got reeled in and and kind of came apart a little bit. Uh and this year she you know, went after it again and uh, I think she she led like tape to tape. So that was really impressive to see. Yeah, there was a point I want to say maybe it was 75 miles or so where her gap wasn't that big, right? It was only a few minutes I think around that time if I if I remember correctly. And then it started to open up after that. I felt like, I don't know what she ended up winning by, you know? I don't know. I know her finishing time was a, a 1424. So, mm -hmm. um, I think it was close to 20 minutes, uh, was her, her margin. Yeah. Cause I felt like it was close there for a while and like fairly later in the race too. And then, yeah. And then she just opened it up towards the end. Yeah. But it was an hour, hour 18 faster than last year. That's yeah, impressive. last year it was interesting though, right? Because she she jumped into that last minute and it was right after Kona. Mm -hmm. So she'd never done any ultra running. I mean, she's totally capable of it. But, you know, I think she didn't know 
how these races go. And she ran like she would, you know, maybe run an Ironman marathon or something and kind of learned real quickly. But obviously she's come onto the scene with between that and gravel riding and endurance riding uh, as, as cool to see. And then she gets her golden ticket to Western States, which is going to be really fun to watch her there. So I'm excited for that. Yeah. Let's hope nothing happens like this year. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. What are you referring to? She had, um, she, she's not a great descender, right? Like she's not a natural mm, trail runner. Right, right. And so I, I think most of the women tend to start gapping her on the descents. Uh, Western States has a lot of climbing, a lot of descending. And, um, so she'd make up ground on the climbs and then those women would start to gap her. I think she started to to really try and go after it and get more aggressive on the, on the descents. And, uh, she went down quite a few times and kept rolling her ankle. And then one time she rolled her ankle basically one too many times and it was pretty bad the way it, it swole up. So she had to pull out. Oh, okay. It was, yeah. She was, so that was like a DNF and this was like a major goal race for her. And so she was pretty devastated by it. Yeah. She, yeah. she got a, uh, did she get like a wild card into that last year? Cause I don't remember her getting a golden ticket. I can't remember. No, she, uh, she, she did. I can't remember where she got it, uh, but they, um, Hoka was going to basically give her an entry in the Western States. And she said, no, I want to earn it. And so she okay. went out and, and raced. I can't, I, of course I can't remember the race where she earned it at, but, uh, she did get her, um, she did get oh, her was own it, slot. Was it like a hundred K or a 50 K race that got her in? It might've been, I, I, okay. yeah. I, I can't yeah. remember. So I don't want to put it out there yeah, yeah it'll be interesting because that'll be a whole different level of field western states yeah oh yeah sweet well i'm looking forward when they uh hopefully they have a good video for this one they always put out good videos after her races so All right. i feel like her videos have slowed down recently yeah, I think after well, because she had two two tough um, races back to back. Was it wasn't Belgian Waffle was Belgian Waffle, yep. <clears throat> and then yep. and then Western States, and she had those back to back, and those were like her two goal races for the year. And she had what mechanical issues during uh, Belgian Waffle ride, and that was ended up being you know a pretty bad finish for her, and she was pretty disappointed. And then to then go into um, Western States have to have basically, you know, another issue and not be able to finish. That was tough. So yeah, looking forward to her having a, a, a great season next year. She's fun to watch. Yeah. And you know, as much as I like her race videos, I, I just like the training videos in general, right? Just what's going on into the build and all those things. So mm -hmm. hopefully she gets back to doing more of those again. Yeah. All right. I was, gonna say, I was gonna say you know all about taking youtube breaks so you oh, should hey, understand I, I do understand it <laughs> i do understand it <laughs> sometimes you need a break yeah. you know you got you got to have people that you want them to yearn for you a little bit yeah you, know? you want them to give you a bunch of crap for not making videos and start a smack. start a series and yeah, yeah. third yeah. third episode yep. yeah yep well hey today I've got a, I, I guarantee I've got a good two to three episodes in me for this series. <laughs> Can't <laughs> well, wait. You, guys saw, you saw the preview other than Tony talking or yeah. uh, not Tony, uh, Austin talking trash about me. Uh, did it look pretty good for the first 30 seconds? Yeah. It, you know what it yeah. reminded me of? It had a very much like, uh, remember the old show 24? Oh, 
There you go. I'm glad you nailed it. Was that yeah, the uh, inspiration there? I love 24, right? And I love the idea of the clock and just the... So that was kind of my inspiration for how, you know, to progress through the... And, and that was just the very opening scene, right? But to progress mm. through how an episode uh, or a day, you know, goes through. So there's some like you understand because a lot of times you go through a vlog or whatever and and they're having a day but you have no reference to the time of day or you know what's happening so yeah so that's that's kind of the theme throughout nice austin did you watch 24 at all do you remember 24 did your parents watch 24 yeah no i I didn't i don't think i ever watched it like religiously but i've seen an episode or two yeah that show was the best when it first started right because it was actually like what could happen in 24 hours and by the last season it was like what could happen in three weeks in 24 hours. Right? Yeah. I mean, that, that was what sucked, right? Is as with all, just like fast and the furious, it went from, this is a really cool car racing movie to now they're flying tanks out of airplanes and shit like that. So, yeah. Well, the, the best thing about 24 that I, I liked, um, was no one was safe. Like they would kill no. off anybody and you'd be like, oh, yeah. so, so you never knew what was going to happen. I was like, can they kill them? I, I don't, I don't know. Like it just be this important character. Like they just introduced you like, ah, oh, there's no way this person dies. Nope. Dies. You're like, yes, yeah. that's, that's sick. That was like the beginning of game of Thrones, man. People just died left and right. You, you get hooked on a hero and boom, they're gone. That's it's like, oh, about God. that show. Yeah. <laughs> no one's safe. <laughs> no one. Well, nobody dies in my videos, so <laughs> okay. Every, well, everybody is safe. Everybody makes it to the end. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, I don't want to spoil it, but maybe. <laughs> All right. Well, we got some races coming. There's some uh, triathlons happening. What's we, up next? We do. Uh, Ironman Florida is coming up. I think that's going to be a good one. At least on the on the men's side, the women's side's a little light. Um, but for for Florida on the men, you've you've got Ditliff, uh, Von Berg, Skipper's coming out, uh, Chevro. Um, on the the for the Americans, we've got Matt Hansen and uh, and Matthew Marquois. I like that name. And uh, and then you have uh, Sam Laidlow's training partner Arthur Arthur Husu Corso. How do you say that? Corso. Sure, that's a guess. Yeah, I mean, I I mean, Cam Wirfs on the start list. Start list. Christian Hogenhaug, uh, Andreas Streets, that Martin Uloa guy who won uh, Florinopolis this year. Uh, yeah, yeah, Dylan Gillespie. It's a it's a pretty stacked list, and it's going to be really interesting to see how it shakes out. Yeah, I think a, a lot of these people were, were supposed to race Ironman Israel, and that's where a lot. Oh of, yes, you're right. That's mm-hmm. where a lot of these you know these these heavy hitters now are all converging into Florida because you can't race in yeah. Israel right now. Yeah, that's a bummer. Yeah. <sighs> oh, Harry Palmer is going to be on there. Do you guys watch his YouTube at all? Uh, I try. <laughs> I feel like that was a joke coming or something. <laughs> uh, no, no. I guess I'm Harry Palms over there, Austin. I, I do. Well, it's like I, I don't subscribe and then it shows up in my recommended and there's no one else that has content. So I'll, I'll try and watch them. So you're so yeah. nice. I, I, it's it's tough. I don't know what it is, you know, that some things hook you and some things don't. And uh, yeah, I, I, he's a don't. I guess. I mean, it's not, not that I don't like him. I just, uh, I don't like look forward to the next video. So 
I just, if they show up in a Google decides to, or YouTube decides to present me with it, maybe I'll watch it. Yeah. Wait, what uh, ethnicity is he? What, what the nationality? Couldn't... Isn't he from the UK? From, yeah. Or, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Uh, yeah, what, maybe it's the accent. I don't know. I, I don't know. I can't. What if, know. Um, so if you guys had to pick a podium out of, the, out of this group, how would it go for you? Uh, I think Ditliff's going to be on. I, I think I'd go Ditliff first. Yep. Um, I could see Ditliff, Skipper, and then like Von Berg. And then if you want to throw like Worf in there, like Dark Horse, Hansen might yeah, run I, up. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, it, it's a good course for Hansen. I think Christian Hogan Haug is probably in the mix, but I would probably say Magnus. I'll give two to Skipper and three to Rudy. Yeah. I don't know if if Chevro is, you know, I don't know if this is the course for him. You know, but I, I think Hogan Haug like kind of throws a wrench in the works for being such a strong cyclist. So we'll see. But if if Joe's run is anywhere where it's supposed to be, then he'll have a great day too. He, so. You know, he, he's been like training so well and it just seems like he can't put it together on race day. These last few races, it's, it's gotta be frustrating. I mean, it's frustrating to watch. It's almost like how I used to feel with, uh, uh, with Lionel, you know, it's like he'd have his great 100%. training and then he just yeah, wouldn't put together race day. There. Yeah. And, you're just like, and you're bought in cause you're watching the videos of his training. Right. So you're so much more bought in and I, th- I feel like you're in tune with what they're doing versus someone that, you don't see that much. Yeah. Did you watch his his video kind of recapping um, Nice a little bit? He kind of talks about his... I don't think so. Like what went wrong. Essentially, Tony, you know, Tony was talking about it in one of the podcasts of he just popped himself way too early in the swim and he just... He was toast the rest of the day. So... Uh, I saw that he just, uh, I think he just uh, put up a video yesterday. I haven't got to watch it yet where he's in Florida. So mm-hmm. he did 1K by 20. So I'll have to watch that later on my run. <laughs> I got one more run to do today. That's a fun workout. Yeah. <laughs> the 1K by 20. No, thank you. Yeah. Holy shit. That's but I will lot. say Ditliff and the Becker Guard series. If you guys watch those couple yeah. of videos, the yeah. golf video, and then the, the video where they're training in, what is that place called? La, La Santa? La Santa. Uh, Club, yeah. Club oh, La Santa. God. So training camp there. What do you guys think? I want to race in Lanzarote. That's supposed <laughs> to be like the most difficult course. Yeah. That looks great. Yeah. So yeah. that, that looks amazing, but uh, I am it, serious about training camp. It, it definitely has like, uh, like Kona vibes. And I think that's why most most of the pros go there to train and yeah, set up for heat it. and the humidity and yeah, yeah, it's like, pretty bare yeah. outside the, uh, you get to outside of the resort and it's yeah. very much like Kona. Yeah. And yeah, I guess, yeah, I guess the winds get pretty nasty. So yeah. it's a, it's a great surf spot too. Canary islands has some really good waves. Yeah. Just tossing that out there. <laughs> um, okay. Well, uh, on then, the women's side, oh, sorry, go ahead. Tony. I, I was going to say the same thing. I was gonna say, let's go to the women on it. Um, so shoot. Yeah, Sky Monch, Jocelyn McCauley, Alice Alberts, who has been winning quite a few races recently. Lauren Brandon. Um, who else do I recognize on this? Li- I mean, yeah, like Tony said, a little bit lighter on the women's side, but still some big, big names. Uh, I, I'm going to pull for Alice to win this one. I, I saw her at my first Ironman, which was her first Ironman in Texas, and she broke the tape for the women. There was no pros there. And then she's won... I think two or three foals uh, in her career so far as a pro. So that's going to be my pick uh, for one. 
I'll give Jocelyn number two and then Sky number three. Who I would go Jocelyn one, Sky two. I'm gonna go India Lee three. I had no thoughts, Chris. No thoughts. Not much. Sky. Okay. I wouldn't mind Sky winning. Yeah. Yeah, but I think those three, uh, yeah, the, you guys. I mean, the, it, there's not that many options. I don't think. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, again, it, it is a lighter field. So, like, what are, what are you gonna do? Yeah, yeah. I mean, going just going down the list, I'm trying to recognize names, and I I just don't, unfortunately. Um, well, Rach McBride, but I, it's not someone I would pick. And again, Lauren Brandon, but I think with the bike power that's in those top three choices. I don't. I don't think she's she stays on. Who? Thorn Brandon. Oh yeah, no, no. I, I had like I thought she was really going to come up probably like three years, four years ago, and it just seems like she just never really turned that that corner to like take take the next step. Because um, I felt like she was right there as like a the powerhouse swimmer, getting stronger on the bike. Uh, you know, she'd be there with Lucy in some races. And then you saw, you know, well, we've all seen like Lucy's progression and Lauren has just not done anything near that. So, yeah. hundred. Speaking um, of Lucy, did you guys watch her post Kona video? Yeah, yeah. I've been watching a lot of Lucy stuff. I, I mean, I mean just it's enjoyable, fed. right? Yeah. It's just compared to last year. I mean, it is just enjoyable to watch how much she appreciates it how uh i don't know i feel just authentic real just uh yeah she's just been working so hard for it for so long yeah well deserved i just yeah she's put out content i think the pto's put out content um there's quite there's quite a few videos and they're good videos i mean they're like a, a good you know 30 40 minutes long uh where you know she's doing recaps and stuff like that so it's it's been it's been good to see. I mean, again, you, we talked about it already. There's like a lack of content out there. So when you get content on somebody that you appreciate or that you know, you're happy for, it's it's cool to see. Do you think her sister is driving kind of that creative force, or is she just recording and editing? Is Reese driving it? Because I I don't think Lucy has the um, bandwidth with what she's doing to be like, hey, we need to do this, we need to do that, we need to do this. I I think it is her sister that's driving it. I think that's her background and. I mean, Lucy's always giving her props, like in most of the videos and right. the interviews that her sister is really the one behind it. So yeah, I think it's, I, I think they let her do her thing. Um, and Reese is more on the coaching side and I think hands off more on that side and, you know, maybe dealing with more of the sponsorship marketing side, managing, managing side of things. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to have to hook my garage up with those led lights. Like she has in her, uh, it's always like cool lit up in yeah. her. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going on Amazon today and buying me a strip of led lights to <laughs> light up my background purple. That's cool though. It's cool though. Cause you see the growth in her videos, like you see her sister's mm -hmm. growth. Right. So that's, that's always really nice too, because I remember earlier this year we were like, yeah, Lucy's videos are kind of hard to watch. Cause a lot of it's just talking head essentially. Right, her just sitting there and then a couple action shots and then oh, then they go to Lanzarote and they have really cool training videos of her doing KOM hunts and stuff like that. You're like, okay, this is I can get into this and then more and more more like closer to how Lionel does it, where it's a, a hard training segment, you know, some some edit that way and then talk about it. Hard hard training edit 
talk about it. I like that. I love that style. Yeah. I like the day in the life stuff, right? Where race recaps are fine with footage. Um, but to give me like week recaps and it's just shot stuff and you're talking, it, it's not as real, right. As, as it, it could be, which, uh, I tend to be drawn to that more vlog style. So I think that's what I've, what I like. And we've talked about it before. It's interesting to see how, you know, her videos have developed. Well, on the other side, you had some athletes that had some great videos and now they're just holding their phone and, and walking around shooting content, right? Their videos have gone the exact opposite way. Uh, but it takes a, it takes a lot to have somebody on producing that stuff. How dare you shit on Sam Long? I know where you're going. <laughs> <laughs> He's a dad. I understand that. I understand that. But he's a husband now, or gonna be, right? He just proposed. Yeah, yeah. But there's another guy I used to follow in bodybuilding, um, and he's really, which is the craziest thing, because I was never into bodybuilding. But he's the guy who kind of inspired the way his videos were made. Were one of the people who inspired me to kind of create videos in ultra running, and I wanted to bring that to trail running when that really didn't exist. And his name's Steve Cook. Um, So right, it's like the chiseled, you know, super charismatic, right? All this, but. He he just had cool videos in the sense that it was just kind of following his life and what he was doing and when he was traveling and and I felt like uh, the edits were good and and now it's the exact opposite he carries his phone around and yeah yeah whatever. his videos suck now oh, yeah it was terrible it wasn't bro science that got you hooked to trying to be <laughs> <laughs> yes I, and now I have a sneaking suspicion why Chris wanted to race in St George so much he's like maybe Steve will be out there I need to go to his me. gym I want to go to his gym yeah his gym looks sweet yeah. back in the day I did want to go to his gym so now I wanted to go train with Froning I wanted to go out there yes that was my cook, whole thing Cookville action I did get my. Uh, uh, my level one sort of uh, CrossFit cert at, in NorCal with Kalipa. So I got to work out with Kalipa and uh, who was there? Josh Bridges was there. Man, those guys are just fun. Just a blast to hang out with. And uh, I mean, they were, we were having just beers after, after every day. It's like a three day <laughs> course or whatever. Right. And you work out and whatever, but um, that was, that was so much fun. Yeah, that's cool. My claim was I, I hung out with Camille all day when we did a article and shot video and footage. So down in San Diego. So that was pretty cool. There you go. <laughs> all right. Any other news? Can you talk uh, Cabos real quick? Yeah. Oh, let's, yeah. Let's do Cabo. Yeah. Let's, let's start with the women because it's, again, a much lighter field. The only two names that I would recognize, or not recognize, but really put as a threat for this is Paula Finley and Jackie Herring. So if Paula doesn't win, that's probably a bad day for her. Not to say that Jackie's not a quality athlete, but uh, this is, I mean, this is Paula's, this is the perfect course for her. It's, it's a, you know, time trial bike, flat, fast, and then, but it's going to be warm. So I don't whoa, know how that's going to work out. Have you done Cabo? No, why? It, it is not flat. It is well, okay. Well, what's the elevation? Thirty-two hundred feet of gain. It's more oh, than Oceanside. That is not flat. It's yeah. more than Ocean. Yep. Okay. Wait. Is Cozumel flat? Cozumel's flat. Cozumel's oh, flat. Okay. Okay. Well, then I don't know. Maybe Jackie. Maybe Jackie pulls it out. <laughs> and she doesn't do well in the heat, right? She's never. Uh, she's always Paula? Said, yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Oh, that she was is. that was going to be the one copy out there, but now there's two. Yeah. Um, she has a flappy head. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I I mean, Leslie Smith's the third name on there. 
but I don't, I don't put her as the same caliber of athlete as both Jackie and Paula. And so yeah. And I don't even put Jackie again in the same caliber. And Paula, sure, I think should still take sure. this. Yeah. 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 I mean, Jackie's been, I, I feel like Jackie's a better full distance athlete, even though she doesn't do a ton of full distance racing. I'd agree with that. Um, so that's kind of interesting, but yeah, I mean, Paula has to be the number one pick to win here. Um, I don't know if there's much more to say about the women's side. And then on the men's side, it's, it might be more stacked than Florida. If you, I mean, it's pretty close to, to that lineup, but, um, Tony's boy T Foles be there. He's actually the number one. Trev. Yeah. So he's the number one bib. Um, Thomas Rodriguez Hernandez. Do you guys recognize that name? No, he must've won last year because he's the number two bib and I don't recognize the name. And below that is Jason West, Jackson Laundry, Mark Dubrick, uh, Eric Lagerstrom. I'm trying to see who else. If up. he won last year, he had to get the number one bib. Number one, yeah. There's no way they give it to to Trev. Maybe he got. Maybe he came second. Yeah, maybe. I because I don't. I don't recognize the name at all. Yeah. So I'm wondering how he got the number two bib. With with this list of characters, right? I mean, I'm not saying he's not deserving of that, but if you have Jason West on there and Jackson Laundry below him, then yeah, well, he had to have. What's his placed. name again? Thomas Rodriguez Hernandez. Oh, I'm surprised they stopped there. I thought it's like gonna be like the reporter from Mary with Children. <laughs> uh, but he's he's from Mexico, so that's kind of what tips off. You know, he's he must have raced there. Yeah, raced there last year, done pretty well. Um, Nicholas Chase, and then we were talking earlier. Miguel Maddox will be there. So yeah, another stacked list. That'll be a pretty cool race. Um, I don't know if I doubt they're televising this one because I'm pretty sure they're covering Florida. I'm pretty sure they have coverage for that, which would be great. Yeah, I'm thinking Trevor Jackson and Jason West up there. I'm going to go Jason Trevor Jackson. The run course is absolutely flat. It's dead flat. Right. But it is so hot. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's a whole, whole different ball game, right? It's also, it's also non-wetsuit legal. So, so the, the, the best, you know, the stronger swimmers are definitely gonna have more of an advantage here. Um, So then Mark Dubert could have a massive lead off, off the swim, right? Yeah. But again, then that, that bike, it's so, it's so hilly and there's, uh, there's no real sections where you can, you can just kind of sit narrow and, and try and make up ground at any point. Cause even like there's one flat section, but I remember it had like, uh, like on the, on the road, almost like, I don't know if there's like, just like, like water channels or whatever, but it seemed like every 10 feet, it was a thump, 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 thump. Mm. right it's like one of those where you just like this is annoying as shit like i just um and and the roads they're mexico and they're not they're not great roads um so yeah i mean i think it's it's definitely going to be a stronger rider's course it's not going to be you know anyone so jackson jackson's pretty strong i mean he does god he still writes that shitty frame though i wish he'd get off that bike (laughs) he's on a ventum for those who aren't aware they're paying him they are. And I Getting mean, paid? that's, they gotta be, they better be paying them well. Cause 
you know, he's definitely giving up some some time being on that frame. I, I mean, it's it's probably optimized as well as it can be just because he's been on it for so long. I think he, he got on it really early. Uh, but there's so many better options out there. I hate the color they chose for the women on that bike. The Tiffany blue and white on that Venom frame. Because oh. I think Jocelyn McCauley and um, Jackie. No, not Jackie. There's another Ventum athlete, but I, I can't stand that color. I hate that colorway. Um, well, I mean, Miguel Maddox, right? He's a really, really solid swimmer too. So he might come out front pack and have a decent chance of going top five here. So that, that'd be kind of cool. I can see that. His runs really improved too. Yeah. 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 That'd be a big one for him. But I I think, I think it's a good course for Trevor. I mean, training in the heat and everything. Right. So he's over there in Arizona. Yeah. I mean, and being from Florida, that's very similar, you know, humidity and everything. So that might work out for him. I don't know. I'm excited. I'm excited to see how, how that one shakes out. So another good race. And then, uh, from an OCE member, isn't Neil racing Los Cabos? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. He's yeah. Neil racing. So shout out to Neil. That'd be sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully he's, he's feeling a little bit better this week. I think he was under the weather, but yeah, hopefully it's a beautiful day and he has a good it's day. It's always brutal leading into a race, right? You work so hard and I feel like all of the stress, everything's adding up right before race. And it's happened many times where that, week or so before you just kind of crash your body's just under so much stress and you get sick so hopefully he pulls or feels better right before the race sometimes i think it's good because it actually forces you to rest forces you to turn it down so i feel like sometimes i've had some of my best races when i was forced not to train that much a week or so before Mm. i'm not doing all that last minute catch-up scared training Panic training. It's <laughs> my favorite. <laughs> exactly. All right. Anything before we move on to some questions? Did you want to do some cold weather tips for La Quinta? I don't know when we'd be able yeah. to do this again before. Or give yeah, that was a one of the questions, kind of... I think. Uh, oh, was it? Maybe you brought it up. Yeah, someone talked about La Quinta. But, uh, I think yeah. Charlene did, if I'm not mistaken. But, yeah, that... Uh, yeah, cold, right. I've I've never raced in cold weather, so I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it to you guys. I I have ideas, but I've never raced cold weather, so it's against my will. <laughs> Sometimes you got no control. I would say St. George and La Quinta are the two coldest races that I've done. I don't know how about you, Tony? That's probably the two that I've done now, where I've been the the most cold. I, Alaska, Alaska was in, yeah, the swim, Alaska. Right? the swim was cold, but like we were in like mid to low fifties, I think for most of the day. So it wasn't that, that bad. Um, St. George yeah, is the water is cold. Laquita is the coldest water for me. St. George water was not very cold actually. Right. It was cold outside. I felt like, but mm-hmm. the water wasn't bad. So I, mean, I had this fear coming out of the water. I was going to be really cold, um, at St. George and I layered up and it's a hilly course. So I got hot pretty quick. Um, but, and we lucked out cause the girls, the women were much colder than we were, but I, I didn't come out of the water cold. Sometimes I feel like, you know, La Quinta, that water can be in the low or, you know, mid fifties. So you come out cold. Yeah. Caveat though, for you, for St. George, weren't you like the last wave to start though? Yeah. I think it was 2 PM when I started. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> it's what you get for being old. Yeah. Make sure you don't shiver and, and get hypothermia. Yeah. 
So, because I know uh, Ralph's in in the, the later age group, and so I think he he was I think either second to last or, or like the last age group to go. So he had a much different race experience than I think most of us who start off. You, well, you know, went off right behind thing. the pros. So, yeah. yeah, and so we we were freaking cold. It was cold that morning. Um, so a, a few tips for me, like my feet are always cold. Um, I mean, La Quinta, I think the last time I raced it, I literally didn't feel my feet until mile six of the run. And that was with everything I was, I had or done to try and mitigate, uh, that, but I would say if you have booties, wear them in the water. Um, I think that was, that makes a difference. I did use a thermal cap as well underneath uh, my regular swim cap yeah and, i'll uh, definitely do a thermal cap i i can't do the booties i don't know why they bother me but maybe my booties uh aren't that great so. yeah and I, I would say if you are gonna wear if you are gonna wear these items definitely practice in the next you know coming weeks to at least get familiar and comfortable with it and see how they feel they do feel a little different like chris is saying it, it feels a little odd uh to have those booties on your feet Make sure yeah, they I think fit. my booties are probably size too big. I, was like I say, bought yeah. them thinking this is the size foot I have. And ultimately what would be better is a much tighter fitting, you know, booty because they end up full of water and I come out like with two bags of water on my feet. Yeah. You definitely don't want that. It's going to slow you down more than they already do. I think these probably slow me down. I'd say like two to three seconds per hundred if about that. So nothing too, too crazy, especially for the comfort that they're providing. Uh, and also like the, the way you come out of, uh, of La Quinta and then you have, they have the chairs right there. It's kind of muddy. And so like, I really appreciated having my booties still on as I was going through that section. And that way I have less crap on my feet as I throw my socks on. Cause I put socks on in T1. Yeah. I wish I had those booties on in Arizona, even though it was warm, it would have been nice not to have all of that grass and all that crap. Cause I went, that was the first time I've gone sockless on a, um, on a ride, right? I was committed mm -hmm. to the aero socks and, and all of that. And when I got to my shoes, they were just caked and I didn't have any water. I should have had a water bottle there or something. So I was like, you know what? I'm going, I'm going sockless and, uh, lost all the aero benefits of my faster fiction socks that I bought. Yeah. Yeah. I usually do have like a little workout towel that I keep in my T1 bag just to give like a quick, quick wipe down and, uh, and get any like of the larger debris off my feet before I, I throw the socks on. Cause those are the same socks that I'm going to use during the run as well. So like whatever's in there is going to be trapped in there for the rest of the day. Right. Um, I will so, say that's yeah, what I, I miss about doing the little local races where people would bring their little pails of water. And you know, if they've got pails of water, you're probably going to be faster than them. So then you just use their water to clean your feet. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, some of the races too, and they have like the little kiddie pools set up that you just kind of like, yeah, like, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Just walk your feet through. I think Santa Cruz has, is, is kind of known for that. Um, cause you're going through the sand. So that, that's cool. Um, it, little, little tips. Um, your, your cycling shoes, they have vents on them. They have vents on them on the bottom and typically in the toe to try and keep your feet cooler. Obviously in the cooler temps, you don't want those vents open. So what I do is I'll, I'll take out the, uh, the sock liner and cover those vents up with electrical tape. And then you can put the sock liner back in another trip trick to, um, to help keep your feet a little warmer is aluminum foil. So like I'll take out my sock liner and cut the shape of aluminum foil, like trace it over aluminum foil, cut that out and then put it underneath the sock liner and then put that back into the shoe. So it's literally keeps 
some of that heat that's already in, that you're creating from your foot in the shoe. Uh, and also it helps again, stop any additional wind from, from coming through those vents and, uh, and cooling down your, your foot when it's already wet and cold. Now you probably don't, but because of the aero disadvantages, but, uh, you, do you use neoprene shoe covers? Depends on the race. Um, I did use them for, uh, for Alaska. I think I had them on. Um, yeah, I find I those remember. work pretty well. They, they, they really do. Um, and so that if you're going to go with toe covers, it's, it better be like pretty damn cold. And if it, if it is that cold, what I would also recommend then is getting like the toe warmers. They're like the little hand warmers, but they're just shaped like a little toe cap. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then you can put those between a, the, uh, the toe cover and your shoe. And then you have, you know, that heat penetrating right. down. Like in the tongue of the shoe, like under the, if you have like the boas, is that what you're talking about? Like under, like above the tongue, but below. No, I wouldn't put it inside the shoe at any point because it's no, good. I mean, but I mean on the outside of the tongue. Like yes. I have boa shoes, right? So you can kind of slide them down under the little wires, but it's still on top of the tongue. Okay. So it's just, right. It's applying heat to the tongue. Yeah. I mean, like, I guess it depends on like how you're setting up your, your transition for me. Like I, my shoes are already attached to the bike and mm, my, so yep. my toe covers are already would be already over the shoe. And so before I leave for transition, like I, I have all that set up and then I have the, the toe warmer tucked between the toe cover and the actual shoe. So, um, again, this is something you probably want to practice in the, in the lead up because it will add some extra pressure on, on your foot. Cause you're, you're adding obviously more thickness into uh that toe area right. so just how make much sure time do you with. think you save by putting your shoes on on the bike versus just putting them on right there in transition and not running in your socks picking up crap on your socks or, or whatever you, you know like i've i've never really had an issue of like picking up stuff on my socks i've never like done done amount and then like felt something in my shoe where I'm like, Oh man, it's because I was running. I, I've never had that happen. And, and, and I don't know, 25 plus races. And so I don't really think of that as a concern. Um, walking in cycling shoe sucks. I mean, I, I'll, I mean, I'm, I'm more than welcome to race anybody who wants to run. I'll run barefoot and you run in cycling shoes and we'll see who's faster. Uh, it's definitely makes a big, a big difference. Um, and also just, I think the, uh, just the, the, the comfort and, and maneuverability, like I don't, I don't want to potentially slip, um, mm. and have an issue mm. like that would, that would be a bigger problem than anything. Um, and also it just, I guess it depends on the transition on where you're set up. If you have a, like St. George was a long, that was a long run. Yeah, transition. it's a long run. Yeah. So and I ran it in shoes. That's one thing I just have never taken the chance. I don't know why in the race, I've never practiced it enough to try and put my feet in my shoes after I'm on the bike. Yeah. I, again, I think it also depends on like what kind of shoes are you using? Are you using road, you know, if you're using road shoes, like road cycling shoes, those are more difficult to get on. Right. Um, and is going to take more practice and, and potentially have more issues because those are going to fit a little tighter and more padding around the heel. They're not really not made to be slid on while you're cycling. So can you do it? Sure. Um, but I think most people who go the, the road route tend to put them on in, in transition and then run with them. Yeah. So, all right. Derail back to uh, cold weather tips. Yeah. Yeah. So the, yeah, those are a few things to keep your feet warm. The other thing too is, um, 
I think which most people uh, know about already is is putting either like a mylar blanket, emergency blanket, um, and if you don't want to spend the money on that, just a uh, a trash bag, which we call it trash deli instead of castelli. So you, you put because you, you can make a, like a, a basically like a wind blocker, anything that's going to cover your chest and keep that 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 wind from hitting that cold kit and your wet body um, is going to make a big difference. So what I like about the, um, uh, the trash deli trash bag over the, over the body is once you start to warm up, you can just reach, reach into your kit and just tear, it basically tears away. You can just pull it out pretty quickly and easily. Um, I need to practice with that because in St. George, that was really the first time that I thought about doing it. Mm -hmm. I've never really thought about doing it at La Quinta, but it might be, you know, could be a good, good thing to do. Um, I was worried that that bag against the skin or, you know, your armpits, anything like that, you, you need to practice it to find out if it's going to, to, to cut or chafe or just be extremely uncomfortable. I've never done it. So I, I was curious, have you done that Tony? And does it, do you even notice it? Um, you notice it when you first put it in, but it pretty, it disappears pretty quickly. I, in St. George, I actually wore it under my kit under the wetsuit. Yeah, so, that's what I was talking about. Okay, that's yeah, a, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's that's exactly what I was going to do. Okay. I thought you meant like putting it on in no, T1 or something. Yeah. Um so I I used a I used the mylar blanket um and basically just had it like around my my front of my chest and not not over my shoulders. Um so it didn't affect me in the swim at all. But I did have my kit fully zippered up and then that just kind of keeps it in place. And then once you get any water inside that mylar is just going to stick to you pretty quickly anyway. So I didn't notice any movement. I didn't get any chafing from it. Um, and then yeah, maybe for St. George, maybe like 25 miles into the bike, something like that. I just, I dumped it at an aid station, just, you know, pulled mm -hmm. in the other thing too, for, uh, for us guys, um, twigs and berries get pretty damn cold on the bike, especially with the wind, uh, and, tri kits don't have a lot of coverage there. So if you leave an extra flap, you can actually stick it down the front of your, uh, front of your, your tri kit, um, and deflect some of the wind off, off the, off the boys there. So keep you warmer. Nice. And, and do you guys, do you, guys ever you guys ever bother with arm warmers? I'm, I'm thinking for someone who may not be so concerned with taking up a bunch of time in transition, um, you know, do they want to put on a jacket, but then you have to worry about, well, you're going to get warm and you have to be able to take it off. Can you ride with no hands? Are you going to have to stop that sort of stuff? Um, so arm warmers are always a good choice. Leg warmers are a good choice because you can slip those off pretty easily. Uh, well, I mean, maybe not the leg warmers. I train but. with those, but in a race, I have yet to do it because I feel like they're extremely hard to get on when you're wet. Um, yeah. but you know, I opted for just a jacket in St. George and I could unzip it and then, you know, I had to wear it the whole ride. Uh, mm -hmm. but as long as I unzipped it, it was fine. Um, and then I, you know, on St. George, that last descent, it was cold again. So I zipped it back up where warm, warm, or arm warmers. I mean, you can pull them down to your wrists and things like that, but I just hate messing with that stuff yeah. when I'm wet. Yeah. I feel like yeah. once it's, once they're on, they're on, and that's a tough commitment to make. I, just, I think, especially knowing how much, how much I'm going to be working and, and heat I'm going to be creating on the yeah. bike. So I've never opted for arm warmers. I did use a jacket in both Alaska and St. George. I wasn't as, I wasn't as concerned in St. George with my time. Um, I was, I wanted to be right. pretty comfortable. So I, it wasn't a big deal for me and to make that decision. I also put on some gloves, which were 
very, very difficult to get on, um, with my hands that cold, um, and then wet and not having great dexterity. It, it took me a while. Like I, I kind of had them on. And then as I was writing, I was trying to like get them on further. Um, what did you, did you go with like riding gloves or just gardening glove type? type No, I have, I have Castelli some, um, um, some like winter gloves. I think yeah, I have the, the Profettos. The mm-hmm. thing that always like appeals to me is getting like one of those gardening gloves that is kind of latex on the bottom side with grip and then it's cloth mm-hmm. or whatever on top mm-hmm. because you can just get to an aid station and just ditch them. You don't have to worry, you know, it's $2 for a pair or whatever it is, right? And then one thing that I can actually speak to because when I play lacrosse and it'd be sometimes 30 degrees our gloves again same issue you you want dexterity in your hands so we would put this takes a little bit of time but if you're not worried about it you would put latex gloves yeah surgical under gloves your lacrosse. things like yeah, that exactly i do that so and i wear running gloves right because running gloves are pretty easy if you get them a yes. size up they're easy to yeah. get on and off they're cotton but they're not quite warm enough but a latex yeah. glove is enough to keep yeah, your hand warm yeah it's it, it's like a jacuzzi in there or something or like a sauna room a sauna steam room in there right so that's always a good one, but anything that you can kind of get rid of that you don't have to worry about, oh, I need to put this in my, you know, my, my, my pocket or whatever. Like if you have arm warmers and you take them off, you know, not somebody can't carry them for you, not naming names. So yeah, honestly, anything I wear in a race, uh, I'm willing to throw away at an aid station. Right. Right. If, if the gloves are a pain in the butt and you know, my kit, I don't want to stick them in the back of my kit, you know, then I'll chuck them in a, an aid station. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I guess it's all, it's all finding what's, what's most important to you and what's most comfortable for you. If, if, um, if comfort is going to be king for you, or if you feel like you're, you potentially might DNF because of the cold, um, then layer the hell up. I mean, don't worry about the time. I, I always try and I'm always concerned about the time. So I don't, I don't think I'm, I'm the, the best person to kind of, um, you know, talk about with for layering up, but I will try and do as many tips as possible beforehand because it that costs no time during your race, and it's just just prepping your equipment and uh, yeah. and, and getting those you know doing those little things that are going to help uh, mitigate the wind because the wind chill is really what's going to get you more than anything. For sure, yeah. I always uh, my motto is like in training, I will layer up. Right, I will wear a lot of stuff and then I'll take it off and I'll tuck it in and I'll have a huge like backpack on my back by the time I'm done. Right. In my, my cycling kit, but in a race, just work harder. (laughs) I just feel like I just got to work harder if I'm getting too cold. Right. Hands are one thing, right. Hands are always cold. So I wear gloves a lot, but as far as, you know, wearing something over my body, I try to never wear a jacket. Yeah. Well, then also, again, like, like I said, practicing these things. So typically the weeks leading up to a cold race, I will go out in a, just a standard kit and have no coverage because I want to experience what that's going to feel like and get used to it. Get comfortable. Do you jump in the river, the riverbed real quick and then get out? Yeah, I do, I do not do that, but um, <laughs> it's already plenty cold. <laughs> nice. All right. Any other cold water tips? No, I mean, if you, on the run, again, if you're less worried about time and more about comfort and getting it done, you know, a full, a full kit change, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, feel free to take your time and get out of your, no, there's 100% something wrong with that. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, 
Okay. Uh, <laughs> got my sweatpants on. Let me get yeah, my parka. Exactly. But yeah, I mean, you could, you know, put on put on some leggings or something if you really wanted to. That's always an option. And again, if you're going for comfort, I'd definitely do it because you don't want to be wearing the same kit and feel miserable. Um, so I mean, there's something there for Lakeen's. I think it warms up pretty pretty quick yeah, on the ride. Gets warm. Like, yeah. I mean, every year I've ever done it, it's always warm. Yeah. by the end of the bike yeah uh, and so, then even just like a dry pair of socks you know assuming there's going to be no rain or something right for any race yeah even like the um for for alaska i i switched socks i mean like i i knew i was gonna i was basically going back out into the rain but something about that mental uh benefit of putting on these warm dry socks even though it was going to last literally maybe two minutes felt so good um and so i i definitely made made that switch and took the time to do that um i can't think of and you know but and any other race where i've done that but i always for a wet race i will always have a spare pair of socks in t2 just just in case even though i know i'm putting them on in t1 it just it depends on like i guess feel how the race is going overall and what I'm thinking. But, uh, yeah, I definitely made that switch in Alaska. Yeah. I mean, I think that probably covers everything we know about cold weather racing. Yeah. So I, cause the, the only other thing I'd be like, uh, for the swim, like people put Vaseline on their faces. I don't think it's going to be that cold to, to yeah. need to do that. Mm-mm. Um, I probably wouldn't recommend that if you're not used to it or haven't done it. And again, if you get any of these things, regardless, yeah, I don't like things like that on my my face. I don't no, know. I, 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 yeah, no, that's a that's a no from me. That's a hard. Pass. That's an ultra marathon swimmer thing. <laughs> I, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Cold water, man. Yeah, I mean, I, I've seen it at La Quinta. And I just I've seen people messing with it, and I, that just does not look comfortable or fun by any means. Just glopped. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe the female triathletes are more used to having that stuff on their face, but you know. Yeah. So uh we got some questions. Uh I don't know if we want to go over those. Uh, uh you're referring to makeup. I know you are. Um I thought, you know, since we are coming to the end of the season, uh there's a bunch of questions, but what do you guys think about off season? Talking about um like what do you guys do outside of the triathlon season? It's kind of coming to a close here. I mean, I think the biggest change for me is I, I switched to uh, trail runs and more hikes. I love being out in nature. I think I've talked about this. I don't know how many umpteen times. Um, I love the trails and it's, it's really where my heart lives. So the, the sooner, the better. I mean, I just made the switch this past weekend of, you know, not going to Bayshore and, and swimming. So my swims basically get cut out for a couple months, my Sunday swims. Um, and then I just head to the trails and, and try and get as much, much time in the dirt as possible. Yeah, I, I, I'm doing more trail running, but I don't know. I don't feel like I have a, an off season. I guess, I guess the first part of my year is more running focus ultras and marathons and things, but yeah, I, I, I'll put a little bit more emphasis on strength training when I don't. So you're kind of switching of seasons essentially, right? You got yeah, exactly. your Ironman coming up in November and then from exactly. there you don't have another triathlon scheduled. So you're kind of, your exactly. off season is kind of a switch of seasons. 
Exactly. Yeah. So it's not, it's not like there's an off season, but yeah, just a little more running focus and then strength training focus. You know, I'll, I'll put a little bit more there with, with less bike time, less run time, less swim time. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. For me, I have, I mean, for the last, uh, handful of years I've done La Quinta. So that pushes me all the way up to December for uh, my last race. And then I go back East for three weeks and it's almost a forced off season, right? Because I'm not cycling because it's snowy and icy. I'm not swimming because it's hard to get to a pool. And, uh, I do try and get some running in if, uh, I love running in the snow. If I can get out and do some, some like pack trails in the snow, I don't just like going out and putting on, um, uh, what do you call it? I just lost the, the thing you put on the bottom of your feet. What do you call them? Uh, micro spikes, micro spikes, micro spikes, crampons. That's the term I was looking for crampons and just going out and running in the, in the mud and the, and the ice. I don't enjoy that, but I will hunt out snow if I can, uh, and go run that way. But I, I pretty much, I go back for three weeks and I ski and ski and ski. And, uh, and that is my off season, try and do some, uh, uh, backcountry skiing, do some, you know, skiing up the hill, ski down. That's great workout, uh, snowshoeing. So it's, it's a forced, forced separation from triathlon and, and things like that. And then I get back and, uh, try and get through any of the damage that I've done while being there and eating way too many cider donuts and, and partaking in cocktails. But I think it's a really good, complete turnoff of, of the sport for me. So and in three weeks, I can't do that much damage. When when COVID was in <laughs> going on, and we were there for like two months, I do a lot of damage in two months, uh, eating and drinking and and partying for two months straight. But uh, yeah, so I think it's good to at least get a few weeks of complete disconnect. Do something different. Yeah, yeah, agreed. It's it's a mental reset too, right? So yeah, so but nothing else out of that. So. You guys pretty much, I guess I get the most extreme. I do something completely different. Yeah. Cause I, I, I never give up the cycling. I'll still bike throughout and I'm still doing masters. Right. I, I think that the only real thing I'm changing is I'm not doing the open water swims on Sundays. Yep. And then my runs, my weekend run is, is now trail, but I still do track throughout the year. Mm -hmm. So my, I don't change it up much. I, I don't really have like a true off season. I think I race enough throughout the year to where, you know, yeah. the taper going into a race and then that recovery coming back into the next training block kind of gives me my, my breaks or my resets. Um, so yeah, I'm always trying to just stack those, stack those training blocks on top of each other and, and maintain that consistency. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a good time for people if you are trying to cut weight, things like that. Um, and you're not, I hate to say disciplined enough, right? Cause I suffer from it too. I have to be really, really locked in. But if you're, if you're trying to lose weight, you know, it's hard to do if you're half Ironman, Ironman training, right? If, if, unless you're super disciplined. And like you said, Austin strength training, getting in a little more, um, you know, body weight or some weights, things like that. I think, uh, it's definitely something a lot of Especially again, if you're trying to lose weight, doing adding in some weightlifting, just that a little bit of resistance training will increase your metabolism and the effect will benefit you greatly versus just trying to bang out another 30 or 40 minute run. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like you said too, if you have a focus, if you want to be a better runner or cyclist, take some time and just, you know, 
put the other thing, don't completely stop them, but spend more time in the area that you really want to excel in, right? If you want to do a big bike block and get that FTP up, if you have, you know, marathon, half marathon times, that's a great time to focus on it. And I mean, that fitness, you know, it plays over into the other, other disciplines of the sport too. Right. So, you know, don't be afraid to focus on one thing. Yeah. yeah. Do we have time for one more? Yeah. I think we got time for a couple, actually. I don't think some of these questions were too long. All right. Which one you guys want to do? Are you guys looking at them? Nope. You're looking down though. <laughs> so you are. All right. Here, let's do this one. I'm curious to hear the hardest racing or training obstacle day you've had that didn't quite plan on. How did you overcome it? What's like, what's a hard obstacle or day you've had to overcome? Oof. Um, I think something that people <clears throat> may not know is I, I used to race obstacle course racing quite a bit. And so I, I know she didn't mean obstacle in that way, but, um, when Spartan first announced the original, like ultra beast, it was only in Killington in Vermont. And so I'd went out there, um, the first year, not really knowing what I was getting myself into, uh, had never done anything, I think past like a, a, a super, which is like a 10 mile, um, race. The ultra beast was, they said, you know, basically it'd be about a marathon distance race, um, in Killington. The elevation was insane. Uh, they had you going up like double black diamond slopes, you know, carrying sandbags, um, certain points. I think we had like two 80 pound sandbags. We had to carry around a course and you're going up a slope. So, uh, I DNF'd the, the, the first year I made it through, the first loop, it was supposed to be a two loop course. I mean, through the first loop, which ended up being like just over 15 miles. So this would have been like a 30 plus mile race. Um, got DNF, they cut my, you know, wristband off. I was devastated. And, um, next year went back. I DNF'd again. <laughs> they made the course harder. Um, and, uh, then the next year I went with a buddy of mine. We decided to stay together, which, no, we DNF'd again. <laughs> so I was a three-time DNF'er of the Spartan, the original Spartan Ultra Beast. Yeah, I wonder, um, that must have been harder than the Tahoe one, the Ultra Beast in Tahoe, which was 33 miles. And that was a terrible, terrible day. So they, um, after... That so, was a 13-hour day. Yeah, so I think Killington, so the Ultra Beast the first year, there was a 4% finish rate, finish rate. Um, I think the second year, it went down to 2 and then I think the, by the third year was up to eight or something like that. So it, the whole idea was they wanted to create a race where you, you could not finish. Like they wanted people to not make this. And, uh, and then after that, they opened up, um, I think an ultra beast in Hawaii was, I think the next one that they did, which then became like, just a chair, like everybody made it. Um, and then that turned me off to to uh, spartan i didn't i didn't race spartan again after that hmm. right because yeah, just... i did tahoe and tahoe was i mean it snowed that was terrible mm -hmm. and probably similar to vermont you're getting in such such cold water yep and then getting out and trying to continue that water was extremely difficult to get into <laughs> and then get out of and keep going. Yeah. Uh, that was terrible. And I think one of the worst obstacles was like, 
like three miles in, they had you, it was a lake and they had you like swim out, uh, maybe like 200 meters. And think of this, you're swimming in like full gear, right? You have your, your trail shoes on, you have your, you have basically like a camel pack on, which has all your fuel and nutrition because, um, the ultra beasters weren't allowed to use the aid stations. You had a drop, a drop box at the midway point. Um, and, and then you had to basically swim out to this point underneath the bridge, climb up like a rope ladder and then swing across these ropes. So now you need dexterity in your hands again, after you've just been in like 40 degree water and you're soaked. So all that weight of all your gear and shoes is now the right. And that's just the, the audacity of some of these obstacles. Um, and yeah, like, so most people were quitting three miles into this, this day because they couldn't make it through this obstacle or were basically coming out hypothermic. So yeah, that's my yeah, worst. I think mine's similar. My worst was at, it's not a, anything to do with triathlon, right? <laughs> yeah. I think if you do some of these other crazy things, it puts, it, it does help put the pain you're experiencing and how bad a day in triathlon um, really is in comparison. I did world's toughest mutter two years in a row. It's a 24 hour obstacle course. And it was in Lake Las Vegas right before Thanksgiving. So the water again in the uh, low fifties, you know, just freezing. And essentially you wear a wetsuit most of the time, right? You start the race in the daytime around two o'clock. And if you get two laps in, um, it's that decision. Do I go for that third lap without a wetsuit or do I put the wetsuit on? And that, that can be a make or break right there. Um, and the, the first year I did as a team, one of our guys got basic hypothermic and, um, we, we lost the whole night. And then in the morning we broke up the team and, and went out and did a couple more laps. Uh, the next year went back as solo and, uh, I got 45 ish miles in and had the wetsuit on. And, um, what I was eating was not agreeing with me. So, and it wasn't coming out of my mouth. So tr one, you're in a desert, there's no porta potties and you're trying to rip a wetsuit off when you're freezing and go to the bathroom and then put it back on and run a few miles and take the wetsuit off. And I was not about to just let it roll in the wetsuit. <laughs> and I, I kept you warm. Not, uh, I, true, true. But I was a little worried more about the burning and the chafing and the, oh man. <laughs> and it was terrible. I could not keep anything in me. Um, so, uh, anything I, yeah, it just, it just kept coming. So I had to, I, I really wanted to hit 50 miles and, uh, I got 45 and, and never went back out. I just could not, by the time, by the time I started to feel better trying to get the wetsuit back on and it was freezing. And yeah, so that was probably my worst, worst day in a race, getting so close to getting the 50 mile vest and having to crap myself over. No one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. Uh, Austin. Yeah. Well, I mean, I haven't had, I mean, I've had issues in racing and stuff, but you know, I think Sujin's asking, she's the one asking this is like training obstacles and more on, um, not a specific day or anything, but just, just life, right. Everybody deals with it. And how do you, how do you manage time? Like right, right now is always really stressful for me being three ish weeks out from a race, uh, works busy, all that sort of stuff. And then it starts to, all that stress starts to build and you're feeling like, I didn't do enough. I'm not working enough. Like all these, 
all these things. So that's always, um, for me, a mental hurdle or a mental obstacle is getting, realizing that, okay, the work has been put in. It's okay. Like you'll be fine. Work will be fine. Everything in your life is okay. It's just, it's everything comes together and you feel like there's stress on every point of your life. And so I think that's probably, I mean, I've got plenty of stories of, you know, having tough days, like in a race or something, but you know, I just wanted to be a little more broad or talk about life in general, getting prepared for those things. So I, th- I think that's probably the hardest obstacle for me is getting over that. And, you know, once race day comes and everything's great, right? <laughs> everything's perfect. So, yeah. I mean, I think you know. in general negative, which is something I've worked on a lot is, is, is neg- the negative self-talk, right? That stuff that's coming through your head that you are building up or letting yourself listen to letting, letting those thoughts. Everybody thinks about those things, right? Everybody's going to have those thoughts, but it's how you, um, redirect your attention, right? And how you look at the bad things that have happened, right? Uh, Yeah, I've had a cold going into a race or an allergic reaction, whatever. Guess what? That was an obstacle that I got to experience, go through. Did the day suck? Yes. But did I learn from it? Did I take away from it? Or now do I fear that it's going to happen again? You know what? I got through it. I don't fear that it's going to happen again. Do I try and make sure I don't get sick? Of course. But living in this state of fear and kind of those anxieties and letting those constantly direct your thoughts and control your thoughts. I think uh, everybody suffers from that. Too many people. Yeah. Yeah, And you can kind of flip it on itself, right? I don't know if you guys are familiar with Jocko, but- Oh, I love that. Good. Yeah. Good. Like, oh, you're sick before the race? Good. You know, so all these things are, uh, and not to get to- you know, self-motivation, but Goggins, like these are all cookies for the cookie jar, right? All these things are building and stacking up for you to have something to pull from when you don't think you have enough. So just lean into it, get through it and Hey, you have a problem. Good. That's only going to help me out in the future. Yeah. So yeah. All right. You guys went in on a high. What's the uh, answer to this one with what is the dream race that is still on your list to do? Uberman. Uberman. Wow. You guys know that one? Yeah. The yeah. swim from Catalina, the ride to, is that the one you're talking about? Yeah. 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 Swim from Catalina, ride your bike to uh, Death Valley and basically yep. run Badwater, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy, crazy race. Yeah, well, I don't know how much of a race it and is. And I don't know how much of a dream <laughs> that is for me. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, well, if we're going to go like, you know, more traditional Ironman. Uh, I don't think I have much of a Coner boner anymore. So maybe like Lanzarote would be a really cool one. Yeah. I think yeah. that'd be on my list eventually. I don't, I don't see that's a dream race, but that's definitely, I think on my list of, of wants to do. I think we probably need to do it before Ironman kills it because they kill the difficult races. <laughs> Yeah, New Zealand was my, you know, was one of my dream races. And now it's just too close to Christmas. So I don't even know if I'm going to go if I magically qualify. I don't know if I'll go. Um, but yeah, I, I still haven't done Canada. I'd love to do um, Mont, uh, what is it? Uh, I think Mont Tremblant. Is that what it is? Oh, Tremblant. Yeah. Or one yeah. of those, right? I just haven't, I haven't done uh, any of those really beautiful. I think they, they just killed Tremblant. 
Is it gone? Yeah. Well, the seventy point three. I guess it is. It is both. a dream then. I think both. Well, and then Whistler's okay. gone too. Whistler was the yeah. other on the other side. Yeah. yeah. Again, these challenging races. Yeah. Just got to find a pretty downriver that I want to go race. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Tony. Uh, Iron Man. Dream race. I, I mean, like, there's a few things. I, I think like dream because I know it's going to be very challenging just to get there, and then once I get there to complete it would be UTMB. Mm -hmm. I think that's, that one would be, um, that's, that's on my list eventually. Like that's bucket list for sure. I want to, I want to get there and experience that. Um, Norseman is one that's, that's a hard one to get into. So I would, I'd say that's on my list of dream races. And then just things like I, I want to do that I think are challenging would be like, like silver state 508. I want to do that. Um, that's not a, that's not necessarily a dream cause I, I think it's pretty attainable. Um, and then like race across the West would be the same thing. Like, those are just yeah. ones you need to sack up and sign up for more than anything. So. I want, I would love to, like when you start talking about those, like, well, one Boston, I have not qualified for Boston. So that's still a goal. I don't know if it's a dream, but it's a goal, but I would love to do some of these through hikes way more than doing a race, right? Either the Tahoe Rimcrest trail, 200 miles or a huge portion of the uh, Pacific trail so you know the, i would love AZT. to do some like big through hikes and just live it carry it with you right and and experience one of those and spend even if i got to spend like three or four days you know but have you done have you done rim to rim or rim to rim to rim no i want to do rim to rim that's another one that's on my bucket list i want to do rim to rim, to rim i would like to do um you know one way one day and one way the other just from for the enjoyment of it because if mm. i do it i'm gonna want to video it and i'm gonna i don't want right. to feel the pressure of trying to like rush through it right. but then on the other side i want to do um rim to rim i did you know i did trans rockies which was six days of running in 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 the colorado rockies and that was beautiful i was lucky enough to get to experience that twice so that was that's an amazing runcation so yeah yeah, yeah we right. got plenty more questions but we can uh we can save them for the next one since we're pressed on time a little bit this yeah. week we yeah. won't go three hours yeah because... it'll give us something to start off with yeah so when you're done with this you can just go watch my daily cadence video there you go yeah that's the extra content <laughs> plug plug yeah so yeah i think i'm gonna record I'm, I'm debating uh this was a full monday so then i was debating do i do a tuesday uh or do i have to go in order of the week so maybe i'll do a wednesday and we'll do tony will make an appearance and i'll be at the track for part oh, of that that'd be cool so maybe it'll be a wednesday all right. Well, make sure you follow us on Instagram at uh, OC. What is our Instagram? <laughs> OC Endurance dot podcast. And uh, um, our email is uh, OC Endurance or podcast at OC Endurance dot com. Yeah. Send in those questions. If you're not on the discord, that's where you send them. If you're on the discord. Yep. We got some, some guests questions. coming up. We got guests yep. coming up, which is cool. Can you get yeah, back a couple on the, lined up? Yeah. So something refreshing yeah look at, i think we made it through an entire episode without shitting on anyone or for the most part uh keeping it pretty positive <laughs> that was positive that's positive <laughs> i feel so reined in uh, tony's just uh, like this uh, sucks <laughs> <laughs> i got nothing to contribute <laughs> well, well if, if anybody wants the negativity tony and i'll record something for our patreon yeah yeah exactly only fans 
All right, boys. Talk to you next week. All right. Have a good one.